Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. Wassalatu wassalamu ala Sayyidina Muhammadi wa ala alihi wa ashabihi ajma'in. Amma ba'd. The kitab you are reading from is titled Islahul Mu'amalat, Correction of Monetary Dealings. There are different branches in Sharia, Imaniyat, Akhlaqiyat, Ibadat, Mu'amalat, Mu'asharat. All the branches of Sharia and Deen, a person has to ensure that they are completely made islah of, that they are completely correct. When it comes to his Iman, his Iman is correct, his belief in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, his belief in the Malaika, in the Anbiya alayhim salatu was salam. That this complete islah, correction, reformation of all the branches of Deen, as I mentioned now, when it comes to Iman, that too is correct. That I'm a Muslim, number one, an Ummati of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, what are the limits in regards to Iman, interaction with non-Muslims, with Kuffar, etc. That there's no such thing as wishing them Merry Christmas or wishing them Good Year, etc. So my Iman yet is to be complete in regards to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the limitations, the boundaries, the restrictions of Iman, etc. That I am firstly responsible to the commands of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala the hukuk and the rights of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the rights of men. Now when it comes to akhlaqiyat, my akhlaq, my character, complete reformation there. Then ibadat also, my ibadat are correct for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, for the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, I'm doing everything correctly. For my taharat, taharat is half of iman. At-tahuru shatrul iman. So complete islah of that part of my life also. Then my social interaction and my business dealings the two other branches of Sharia and Deen, to ensure everything is correct there also. For my life to be smooth, for my life to be correct, for my life to be pleasing to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, so all these branches of my life should be rectified and corrected. So here we are discussing in regards to a person's mu'amalat, the correction of his monetary dealings, and this has to be absolutely corrected also. That's how we discuss how a person should earn his livelihood in the correct manner. The levels of taqwa he should adopt in regards to him. Talabu kasbil halal farida ba'd farida. That earning a livelihood, earning a halal livelihood is a farida, is an obligation after the all the other obligations. So how to earn a person's livelihood is very, very important. It has a direct impact. His livelihood has a direct impact on a person's akhlaq, his character, has an impact on his ibadat, his worship of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and his iman also. So this is very, very integral, very uh, vital also and important. That what I'm taking in has a direct impact in all my other branches of deen. So when it comes to a person's livelihood, one is how he earns his livelihood. Here in the following few pages, which is quite intricate, the author explains is that when a person earns his livelihood, then he should be also very careful that the money that he has by him. One is the money that you're earning taking in. And one is the money that you owe people. It's actually someone else's wealth in my pocket. Now, how I discharge of it or do I keep it? And when I keep it also, that how I make a plan to keep the money by me, that becomes part of my livelihood and my earnings, whether it's halal, whether it's makru, whether it's impermissible. In the following chapters we'll understand this. So here the author explains, however, one should keep two points in mind in earning a livelihood. 
Do not search for loopholes. Do not search for loopholes. I'm looking for a loophole to keep this money in my pocket. The money belongs to someone, but I'm looking for a loophole. In a certain way now, I'll keep it by me, but in reality it's his money in my pocket, but I want to keep it. So I don't feel so bad then. One is I'm earning, in a, in a, earning the livelihood in an incorrect manner. I understand this is haram. That the job I'm involved in, that this money that I'm earning is haram, that I understand. But the money in my pocket now that belongs to somebody else, I'm making a plan to keep it, so I don't feel so bad about it. But it's a loophole that I found. One example is in regards to zakat. That a person, it comes to his year end, the lunar calendar, not the solar calendar, the lunar calendar, we work at our zakat based upon the Islamic calendar. So when he comes to the end of the year, he understands that I've got to pay my zakat. This is now due to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. No one is going to come and demand it from me. I know that I have to discharge it. So to say now, it's a demand from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this money belongs to the fuqara and the poor Muslims. So it's actually their wealth in my pocket. But I'm going to make a plan now, find a loophole that how I can avoid paying zakat and keep the money in my pocket. There's also now a certain type of extortion, cheating. So I find a loophole. That my zakat is due, for example, two, three days' time. It's Jumad al-Akhirah, Jumad al-Ukhra right now. For example, and my zakat here will come to an end. So before the end of the zakat year, I will give all my wealth transferred to my wife. So it's not in my position. And she will do the same if her zakat year comes to an end. She will transfer her wealth to me. So before the year terminates before I come to the end of the year, it will mean now when I come to the end of my zakat year, I don't have nisab by me. I don't have the zakat amount by me for one complete year because I transferred all the wealth to my wife. So he finds this loophole. Yes, technically speaking in sharia, you will not be liable for zakat. Qada'an, diyanatan. In the court of the qadi, so to say the masla, the mufti will give you the fatwa, you don't have the wealth by you, so no zakat due upon you. You'll come and ask the question, that now I had some wealth, but a few days ago I lost it. So the mufti will not ask how he lost it. The thing is he transferred it all now to his wife. So technically speaking, yes, there's no zakat upon you. But in the court of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you are liable. Because you know what you have done, you found a loophole now in shari'at. So many a time we look for these loopholes now to keep this money in my pocket. So that money will remain by you after the year expires, then we just tell the wife transfer the money back into my account. So the money lies back into my pocket. But I cheated Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, I cheated now the fuqara and the poor ones around me that were due to my zakat. So this is one way now of earning a livelihood, which is also incorrect, this is deception. And this shows now the stinginess of a person. Stinginess becomes his God, so to say. He is worshipping his wealth and the stinginess that he finds in his heart. <clears throat> so in this way he avoids paying zakat and he earns his livelihood. The other example ulama give, this is the hukuk of Allah, the rights of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he avoids in this way. Then the other is the hukuk of ibad, the rights of those around him. In this way now the stinginess in his heart increases. It flourishes and he looks for more loopholes. Another example is that of a man who ill-treats his wife. Until eventually she excuses him from paying her mahar. We have in the book, in the nikah book also nowadays, when you fill in the nikah book, we have the section for the amount of mahar. 
And there's two boxes there. You tick one cash is given or deferred. So sometimes he might tell the wife that I will pay you 5,000 rand cash and 5,000 rand deferred. I will pay it to you in the near future. Or an exorbitant amount he puts over there so that the public may hear that I didn't pay such a cheap mahar. I have the funds by me. But the alim will not explain the masla. He will just say the mahar by his two kruger, two gold coins, yes. One is given now, one is deferred. But he's not mentioned. But people heard now I'm paying two gold coins. But they don't know that one coin is deferred. He tells the wife, I'll pay you in the near future. But he doesn't pay it to her. So here the author explains that he ill-treats her to such an extent that this poor woman, in order to obtain relief from this torment, he keeps on telling her that I owe you the money. And because of that now he puts her through some torment, carries on now uh, putting her down, telling her bad things, etc., abuses her verbally. That to the extent she forgives him, she says that money that you owe me, I make it maf. Just forget about it. I know you're going through a hard time right now. And you tell her now, I'm, I'm suffering so much, I'm working so hard because I owe you that money, I promised you. That's why I'm coming so late, or I'm doing this, or I'm doing that. So he makes her here all, all the time. Till the time now she becomes so tongue and so constrained, she tells him that I make you maf. Don't give me that, that mehr that you owe me. It's for, for, forgiven and forgotten. Whereas he could have paid her. So her money that was in his pocket, in this manner he kept it in his pocket. No barakat in it. He made her suffer. So they say, فَإِنْطِبْنَ لَكُمْ عَنْ شَيْءٍ مِنْهُ نَفْسًا فَإِنْطِبْنَ لَكُمْ عَنْ شَيْءٍ مِنْهُ نَفْسًا Quran says that if she happily exempts her husband from paying the dowry, the mahr, then it is halal for him. The dowry was waived in order to obtain relief from ill treatment and that, then can this be regarded as happily waived and given over to him? It's not happily. She's just now out of force she's given it to him. Let the example ulama give that we hear a person going down, he lost his business. Now he has financial problems, we hear about it. He was flying at one time. Now he's selling his properties. Put one on the market. And we know he's in constraints right now. At the same time, I'm looking for a property. Hadith Sharif says that a person's wealth is not halal for you except with the pleasure of his heart. Then it's halal for you. Is that happy to give it to you? Then it's haram for you to say spiritually haram for you to take it. Now he is going down. And here now he puts a property on the market. And now you know his condition right now. He put it for 2.5, 3 million. So you go to him. That by I know you put up the property for 3 million then for example. But let's make a deal. I'll give you 2 million cash. One and a half million cash. Take it and we close the deal. Now obviously he's in constraints. Muslim brother is going down. Now you're pulling him even more down. You have enough by you. The akhlaq of a Muslim, part of the branches of the akhlaqiyat will be, I have the means, I have many properties. But tell him, brother, I know you're in difficulty right now. I can help you out. I can help you out. Allah has given me enough. Let's lift you up also. You have wife, you have children, alhamdulillah. That's the akhlaq of a Muslim. Now he will sell you the property. And you say, no, no, he was happy to sell it. But in his heart, you know what he was going through. That I offered him the cash, I dangled it in front of his eyes, and he had to pay the bank, he had to pay so-and-so person, so he had to take it. But inside his heart, he wasn't happy. So spiritually, their property, there's no barakat in it. He wasn't happy to give it. There's an extortion in a very subtle way. 
So these are examples, they say, don't look for these loopholes in Sharia. That way you'll keep the wealth in your pocket, but in reality, in reality there's no barakat in it. For that certain amount of time he will enjoy it. But in the long term there'll be no barakat in it, he will find it affect his health, or his wife, or his children, and that money that he got from there will go to some hospital fees, or the car will break down, it will go down into repairs, or somewhere else it will go. Allah Ta'ala give us a free to understand, inshaAllah. Subhanakallah.